Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Union News. I'm Rich Fay and I'm delighted, as always, to be joined to my left by Kieran Kelly. Hello again, Rich. And to his left, Tyro Marshall. Good afternoon. It is good afternoon, but anyone listening could be listening any time of day. So Good morning, good night, good evening, good lunchtime, good evening, whatever time of day it is, I hope it's a good one. Happy New Year, if you haven't listened as well this year. Good to tick that one off. Uh, Kieran, you had the pleasure on Sunday afternoon to travel down to Wembley Stadium and watch United win again. Six games in a row now under Solskjaer. Um, Everyone had to use the phrase, it was the first big test for Solskjaer. I was definitely guilty of writing that in a few pieces myself. But um, it was the first big test for Solskjaer, there's no denying that. And it's a test that he passed in flying colours, really. Another win for United and a win against a side who are very rarely beaten at home in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, bar that kind of Wolves mishap they had over the festive period, you know, Spurs have been really good at home. Um, you know, and I think it was, as you said, the big test. Um, a lot of people may be missing the point with saying Solskjaer had an easy start because they were games Mourinho really struggled in. But in terms of his credentials for getting the job permanently, it was going to be judged on how he does in these games. So two big ones coming up, Spurs and then Arsenal in the Cup and... If he can get United somewhere closer to the top four and win the FA Cup, it really gives Woodward food for thought. But I think from the first minute, the the approach was was just so heartening and encouraging in that we've not really seen United play like that away from home in such a big game. And everything he'd done in, you know, their their previous away games, particularly that Cardiff game, it was the same team and it was the same philosophy, even though obviously Spurs are such a bit such a good team. Um and I think, you know, although the second half, it was very different and you're having to rely on um, your goalkeeper more than you probably would ever like to. Um, it was it was a complete performance. Every, every player who played um, did a really good shift. And, you know, I think there was so much to take from that going in. And you just feel now, you know, when are we going to get to the point where United go behind under him? You know, we're still waiting for that after six games. And it's it feels like, something that's picking up momentum every game and, and that's you can't say anymore for a start like that yeah Tyrone I think what is so encouraging from a United point of view is the fact that as Kieran said they didn't really have to they adapted their game plan but they didn't go conservative they didn't go all that defence and they went into a game away against another top four challenger and they just they played to their own strengths which I guess has been maybe the ethos under Solskjaer again is that United are playing with less fear it, it appears at least and that, that's having confidence throughout the whole team yeah, definitely. It was great to see such a clear game plan as well, and and the, you know the merits of working on that game plan all week. You know, using Jesse Lingard as that that kind of false nine and getting Marshall and Rashford wide, and you know those are the areas that can be exploited against Tottenham. They send their fullbacks so high up the pitch, seemingly without care of what's behind them. They don't tell them to adapt. You know, Trippier and Davis don't adapt to what's behind them. They just they just go and hope the other team don't win possession and counter. And eventually, United did, and they got it right. And you know, it, it was great to see the thought that had got into it and the, and the tactics paying off. And, and then that game plan really worked first half. There was a couple of times they were close to getting in and it was, you know, it was great to see such positivity in the in the team. Although it was a counter-attacking goal and they played counter-attacking football, there is still room for that. And, you know, a counter-attacking style can be thrilling and, and can be, you know, when it's done like that, it's, it's so exciting to see in such quick football, the pass from Pogba, the runs from Rashford, uh, it was brilliant to see just such a clear identity of how they wanted to play. Yeah, and Kieran, I know that lots of people will say it's, it's only one game against Spurs the win, but do you think 
Solskjaer is starting to prove himself as more than just a high five hug sort of manager. <laughs> maybe the Jurgen Klopp mold. Happy clappy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that management's changed maybe in that aspect a bit and you need to be a bit more sort of nurturing towards your talents and maybe do give them the boost even if they don't deserve it quite yeah. quite as much which I think has had an effect for Solskjaer and his man management skills have been phenomenal but there was an actual sort of tactical plan though as we said De Gea and we'll come on to him later had a huge impact but it's so encouraging for United that this man isn't just here to massage egos he's here to win games and to change his tactics appropriately Yeah I suppose it's it's kind of easy to forget that he has been a manager in his own right since 2011 because rightly or wrongly people write off what he's done before and I think he's he's taken essentially what he did at Mould and brought it to United literally to the point where they were in suits before the game and um, it's working I think there, there are still uh, people out there who will feel that don't want to get too carried away and I think he will be uh, driving home that message in the dressing room but the players are enjoying themselves under him and when you think you know it's it's only a month since that Liverpool game and how desperate everything felt there you know you had Sir Alex Ferguson shaking his head in the crowd uh, the players walking through the mix zone just all their heads were, were bowed it was a really low point uh, in, in a, a very turbulent rain Solskjaer in, in such a short space of time has worked really well and I think what is encouraging is that he had that was the first time he had an extended period with them on the training ground and immediately you saw what was done on the training ground uh, taken on to a match situation and Mourinho really struggled with that in terms of they could have a really good week at Carrington really intense warm-up and then start a game terribly whereas United started that game yesterday really well and they kind of they just pushed on from there and you know I think already he has He's got a legacy um, from just a month there and he's certainly going to be in contention. And I think, as I said, he won't necessarily be thinking about that. It'll just be now driving home and, you know, continuing this remarkable run because only six points off the top four. Um, you know, I think it was 11 or maybe yeah. even been 13 when, when Mourinho went. So he's already done a really good job and I think he'll just want to keep that going as long as he can. Yeah, it's hard to think, Tyrone, isn't it, how little time he's been in charge already, Solskjaer. I guess, uh, as Kira mentioned there, that there is maybe this fear from some sections of supporters that uh, they could be getting carried away a bit too much United. But do you think United are guilty of getting carried away? I mean, there's been such a a difference in mood. I mean, surely it's justified and he deserves the credit, but... I'd never really understood this whole sort of carried away thing. As fans, the life of a football fan is getting carried away. That's why you support a club, to get carried away. And to dream big, you know, and to hope to have those moments of, of you just hope. gotta live in the moment and make the most of, of it. Surely, just you know, savor every. You've got a club legend back in the dugout, six wins out of six, playing exciting, thrilling football. Get carried away, go for your lives. That's you know, that's part of being a football fan. And they are right in the top four race now, which a month ago you just said they've got no chance. So, you know, they might be getting carried away, but who's to say there's anything wrong with that? And I think it's interesting as well to talk just then about you know he's showing he's got a tactical plan as well as the kind of hugs and softly, softly approach that we were talking about. But that shouldn't be underestimated either because a lot of management, especially at big clubs now, is about how you manage players and you need to manage them differently. You know, you, you look at the way Klopp and Guardiola do it and Solskjaer's quite similar in. You do be pally-pally with your players in public, put an arm around them, encourage them. That seems to be how modern players respond to 
to man management, but it's not easy to do, and it's not easy to get the best out of players. And and the fact that Solskjaer's done it, you know, it's easy for you know for Blood to say, "Oh, but he's only done that. He's only just you know slapped them on the back and told them to go out and, and play their best football." But it's not easy to do, and the fact he's done it shows that he's clearly got something about him when it comes to man management. Yeah, I think it is the biggest confidence social that he's made it look so easy, and it's yeah. almost been like a flick of a switch. Mm. Uh, mm. Kieran, there's been a lot of talk as well on social media about maybe who is the brains behind this revival we've had. <laughs> Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, obviously, uh, there's a lot of love for Mike Phelan. I think he's like the latest sex icon in Manchester. Strange, isn't it? I'm not sure how that's happened. Without the shorts. And then you've got Fergie as well. He's become maybe more of a vocal presence at the club. He's always been there um, to offer support if if required and if managers maybe choose to go to him. But Solskjaer's not made it shy that he he wants to get any help from the greatest manager in the club's history. Uh, Who do you think maybe is the biggest brains, maybe the biggest change behind the scenes. Do you think it's just, maybe that, that is the answer to the fact that it is such a team effort? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely go along with that. I think if you look at the Cardiff game, Solskjaer, I think it only had maybe a day in the job before they they went down for that game, maybe two days. And it was McKenna and Carrick who took the training before that and a few days after Mourinho went. So their imprints, they essentially prepared the team for that game. They win 5-1. Solskjaer has his principles, but I think that backroom team all share um, similar things. You're seeing a lot of their ideas playing out. So I think that diagonal over the top that they kept trying yesterday, that was very much something they worked on in Dubai. You saw the manner in which they celebrated it on the bench. It felt like this was something that they've been planning and there's nothing more satisfying for a coach when it comes off. Um, but for me, it is a team effort. I, As much as he's given the players freedom on the field, uh, what you notice at games is... Uh, Solskjaer will often be the least active on the bench. It's the the assistants who are doing the running and the observing and the passing on the instructions. And that isn't Solskjaer being lazy. He just trusts his assess- his assistants um, to, to go out there and to, to make their own impression on the game as much as he trusts his players. And I think maybe with Mourinho, someone like McKenna and Carrick, because they're still new to the senior game, maybe wouldn't have felt that they could do that as much. And I think with Solskjaer, he, he's basically tapping into all he can to to make this a success because he looks at this five months as it's a win-win. Um, that's why he can maybe take those gambles that people under pressure can't because you're seeing him uh, to go to Spurs and attack. Um, you know, that takes real, real balls, doesn't it? And, um, you know, I think we'll see that in cup competitions too. Um, he, he's he's going to go for it and... For me, it is. It's a boring answer, but I think it is. Every one of that backroom team are playing their part. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, I think it is. He can go for this sort of ballsy approach because, it, in a way, there is no job on the line for him. No. How often do you see a caretaker like just sacked, <laughs> especially at the start? Is that you feel now that, that he will be in charge of the end of the scene, no matter what was to, to happen now, really, because he's mm. done so well. Um, going back to the, the game on Sunday afternoon, Tyrone, and so it appeared lots of people were divided by the manner of the game. There seems to be quite a lot of injustice from the. Maybe from the from below Birmingham, shall we say? It seems <laughs> lots of people are saying that Tottenham were robbed and United got very lucky. Um, I know we've had discussions about this in the office as well today. Saying, well, if it wasn't for De Gea, they wouldn't have won. <laughs> the fact is, De Gea plays for United. They did have him. They did win. Um, United. <coughs> do you think they were lucky on the weekend, or do you think you make your own luck? And they still had to take the chance. United could have scored more goals themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hugo Lloris made some good saves as well. And there's always kind of been this thing around De Gea and United as if. As if for some reason it's a crime for United to have a good goalkeeper, <laughs> but you know it's part part of the game. The scouting and signing a goalkeeper of David de Gea's quality is is part of the game and part of recruitment. And and the fact they've got a world class yeah. goalkeeper. Occasionally, you're going to need him to dig you out of a hole, and 
I think Solskjaer was right yesterday. A lot of the saves he made were, were comfortable saves. So some, some of his feet, which were really good, but a lot of them were comfortable. Spurs finishing wasn't great. And I mean, Spurs did have chances, but you're playing Tottenham away. They're going to have chances in every game against every team. When they play Man City, when they play Liverpool, they will have chances at home, some more than others. And occasionally you're going to need a stroke, a locker, a good performance from your goalkeeper. But, you know, a good performance from your goalkeeper is part of football. That helps win your games. So I don't think there was much luck in it on, you know on the stats you might say Tottenham deserved an equaliser but they didn't take their chances and United did and, and United could have hurt them more on the counter-attack and could have had more goals themselves so I, I don't think there was much luck in it particularly no no exactly it's not as if they've bought Teher in for a world record feature for that one game they've no. had him for years they've nurtured him they're the ones who stuck by him when he was getting so much stick when he mm. joined the club and there was so much doubt about his future in the early years obviously he had the fax machine all that but now you've got a player who loves United the scenes at full time as well Kieran mm. they, were, they embodied just exactly what this new United is about really everyone was just so joyous and so it was such raw emotion from United which was a real nice change to see yeah he's I think um you know, from the outside, a lot of people maybe think, you know, Paul Pogba's the king of that dressing room or, um, you know, whoever else, Marcus Rashford or whatever. But I think deep down the players, they know how indebted they are to De Gea. Um, I'm sure you saw that clip last week of Lindelof literally kneeling down to give him the gloves. <laughs> Bit cringy, but that kind of gives you an idea of just, um, you know, they know they've got whatever you the best he, oh, in the yeah, world. He, he, he never lets them down. And um, I think if they can tie him down, that that's as good as signing a £70 million player next summer because he he's just irreplaceable. If if you lose him, you're going to have to pay God knows how much to, to get someone who's still not going to be quite as good and accustomed to the Premier League. Um, and he, it's just, I, I found that the amount of saves he was making with his feet and it brings back memories you know I've, I've spoken to his goalkeeping coach at the United over the years and that was a, a lot of them were English and the first thing that struck them was God he uses his feet a lot but rather than thinking that needs to be knocked out of his game they've encouraged it and you're, you're seeing the fruits of that he's been encouraged all the while since he's been at United like you said he had the rough patch, rough patch when he first moved in 2011 but he sailed through that and um, you know I think Solskjaer wouldn't have liked him to have been so busy. Um, first half, he didn't have a, a save to make, but second half, to, for it to be so extreme like that, it, it just shows you, you, you know, you don't want your goalkeeper to ever be that busy, but equally, they always have that insurance policy to know that there's no better keeper, one-on-one, flying arrows coming at him to, to keep you in the game and to, to keep a lead. Yeah, I guess it may be from... Some supporters' point of view, having the keeper as good as De Gea might mean that the club don't want to strengthen its centre-back and join a window. But as you said, if, if they managed to get De Gea on a new contract, it would just it, that would be such a successful January transfer window if you could could secure that. Obviously, they, they uh, triggered the contract extension uh, late last year, but he's not secured a new long-term uh, oh. contract at the club. Um, I guess this one's maybe a difficult one to to ask in that sense but um, this one for you should we say <laughs> thanks <laughs> well there's two parts of this De Gea discussion we're going to go on to but uh, I think maybe we'll start with this one for you where does he rank amongst United's greatest ever goalkeepers oh. because I, personally I think there's so much unnecessary sort of 
gratitude added to the fact of trophies. You're not a good keeper unless you've won trophies. But the yeah. fact is, Van der Sar, Schmeichel had much better defences in front of them. They had much better teams. They had more consistency. They had a regular manager for the for the, the period they were at the yeah. club. And I think the trophy argument, yeah, it's it's relevant. But in terms of actual individual ability, for you, where does the hair rank amongst those three? Because for me, I. I'm, I'm really unsure. It's a great dilemma to have as a United fan, but... Yeah. Um, oh, do I have to give an answer? No, but you can try and maybe would, give us a vague one. I would... If I had to rank them, I would probably rank him second behind Schmeichel, head of Van der Sar, I would say. Kieran, do you go... You're just looking at me as a <laughs> well, I remember but. last year we did a, one of those joint United City team selections oh, the greatest yes. ever. I put Van der Sar in mind because he has a Premier League clean sheets record, which was absurd. Oh, that's I know brilliant. We, I know it was mainly down to... Um, to his defence he had in front of him as well but I thought Van der Sar was such a beast and it, I guess I took into consideration for those his sort of European escapades as well and how vital he was in United winning the Champions League as well Yeah I remember actually interviewing Van der Sar and asking him that before you know what does De Gea need to do to come into that pantheon as it were and he just said you know winning winning trophies but so that he was me. well on his way um, but I, I think given he's still only 28 feasibly is 10 years ahead um i think he's well on track to be their greatest ever um regardless of i think it'd be a shame in one way if you know all all the major trophy wins is that sole premier league title when he was still nowhere near his his peak years but i think regardless of what happens if he keeps playing like that in the next 10 years it's irrelevant in some ways i, I think it is such a tough thing to pick because um, they're three fantastic keepers all in their own way but you know he's like you said to to play to the amount of adversity United have had in this period and, and he's he the this, one yeah. that's always come yeah. out of it looking well and for me as well it's the fact that he has one of these incredible performances every season it's yeah. not as if yeah. it's just like one season where he's fantastic we look back at a lot of fans yesterday were saying was he better in the Arsenal game <laughs> which I think he was probably when they went to the Emirates last yes. season but it's ridiculous the consistency I guess the final De Gea point for, for Kieran is what, what do you think De Gea needs to commit his future to the club do you think he's going to be unsure until they know who's going to be the next permanent manager or yeah I think I think that applies to a couple of players there um Martial being another who they really want to tie down, but he's relaxed, you know, being relaxed, knowing that they still have a decent amount of time left on a contract because those options were triggered. I think with De Gea, um, it's not money. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have this thirst to be the best paid player at the club. I think he should be. I think it would send the right message that he is their best earner. Um, but for him, it, it just comes down to, to ambition. You know, um, you look at his partner's move to Manchester, um, you know, they've been together eight years. That's a really positive step. What's moved him more than anything has been the fan support through the years. So you think to after the Real Madrid fiasco, the fans gave him such a warm welcome. And then even as recently as his first game back against Leicester after a really turbulent summer with the World Cup, um, I've been told he was absolutely blown away by the welcome when he came out for his warm-up. So the fans have played a really crucial role in him staying up until this point, and I think they will go on forward. But I think he just wants to be at that point where you can see the club are, are moving in the right direction. They are currently under Solskjaer, but it's it's that having that long-term plan that he's... In some ways, I don't think he'd want to be having games like that yesterday no. so um, regularly. Yeah. 
And uh, again, you don't want to jeopardise your, your future roles in the Champions League. You want to be playing in the top competitions every single season. This is the irony of he'd gone to Madrid that time. How many Champions League winning medals would he have now? It's almost a, a mini tragedy, but I think he's not someone, I've said this before, he's not someone who, um, you know, money and trophies are the key thing for him. I think he feels so valued and loved at United that that's as important to him. And he's got a lot of friends there, both on the staff and in the, the playing squad. So... I think United, on the outside, it probably looks like they're struggling to, to get the contract right, but they're they're in a better place than people might think. And um, the stars have aligned elsewhere. You look at Madrid, obviously, got Courtois. Um, you know, various other clubs have big keepers. Um, and I think, you know, it, it it's it's doable would be the way I look at it. And they, they, they'd rather get it done sooner rather than later. But I, I wouldn't panic if I was a United fan. I think he's very settled. And while United fans will all agree that De Gea deserves a new contract at the club, uh, maybe this weekend some people saw as a rehearsal for Pochettino should he ever take charge of the United hot seat. Uh, what did you make of Pochettino's approach to the game and maybe even his comments after it, Tyrone? He said it was the best he'd ever seen Spurs play under him and that he was really impressed. Does that not eek of a margin? He's maybe not good enough for United if he's trying to make <laughs> such positivity out of a loss. <laughs> Um, to me, to me, that just that just reeks of sort of David Moyes sort of speech. <laughs> Guardiola after Bravo's debut. Yeah, yeah, uh, bit odd. Maybe I mean it could be a little bit of classic diversionary tactic in there, and also they did play well in the second half. To be fair to Tottenham, they created a lot of chances. You know, De Gea made eleven saves in the second half. That's that's a lot in five minutes yeah, that's, that's, that's a quote pretty much a save every four or five minutes 11 is a lot in 45 minutes so yeah. you know yeah, to give them their due they did play well and they created they created some good chances they would expect to have done better with as well so you know I, I wouldn't be too overly critical of him for, for that sort of statement especially when it's given you know in the heat of the moment straight after the final whistle in a, in a snap TV interview you know they, they were they played well second half and they played well a lot this season um in terms of his approach to the game, the one thing you'd say is a couple of times now this season, in in big games, they've played the same sort of way and left themselves very vulnerable defensively to the counter-attack. You know, United's template was very similar to when Liverpool won there earlier in the season when they just left Salah and Mane up and said, if your fullbacks want to go forward, we'll just stay here and when we win the ball, we'll attack. United did the same sort of thing. Um, I think City did the same sort of thing when, when they were on, when they're on that terrible pitch and you know, it's all very well having a set way of playing, but sometimes you've got to adapt it. And he's changed it up in the midfield, and they've gone very narrow with this diamond, and they do need their width from the fullbacks. But you know, they do leave themselves very vulnerable to that counter, especially when you've got players at the pace of Rashford and Martial. So, you know, there's a little bit there, perhaps not not really learning your lesson from it. And they got caught against Wolves on the counter as well when they were chasing the game um, back over Christmas. So, you know, that'd be a slight concern, but I think generally. You know, you've still got to say he's doing a he's doing a fantastic job, and I wouldn't be too critical of his his post match comments. They did play well in the second half. I'm I'm sure they played better under him, but in the immediacy of post match, he probably wanted to send a message to his players that you know he thought they'd done all they could. Yeah, I guess. And sorry to bring the blue half into it. It's probably similar to this season. Pep Guardiola said a win against Shakhtar Donetsk was the best City would ever played under him, <laughs> yeah. which is absurd. But I guess <laughs> after a game, we'll let him say it once. Um, and there were manager as well. We've said a lot about the hate caring. Solskjaer is doing such a good job. But you hinted on it in the, early in the podcast. You said it'd be a good season if he won the FA Cup and got a top four finish. Oh, yeah. well, if he was to just get a top four finish, would that equate as a successful season, given where they are? And, but 
do you think that the top four chances are realistic now? Do you think that is the maybe a new ambition that United have? There's loads of questions I'm trying in my head. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> top to four, yeah. I, first, first of all, yeah, if they get top four, that's that's a success regardless. But do you think the club have adjusted maybe what the ambition is now from now that they're in such a good position with just under half a season left? Do you think that top four I, is no, almost I, the I, minimum? I, genu- I genuinely think Woodward just looked at not necessarily uh, the rest of the season as a write-off, but kind of just that Solskjaer come in and facilitate and that the eventual successor would be the one to really benefit and you'd find a much, uh, a club without conflict, a club really feeling uh, good about itself again. Um, I think the coaching staff have even been surprised by how how good a start it's been Um, because as much as the fans didn't expect it, I don't think anyone expected it in the club to happen so quickly. So, um. I mean, what was your second question in terms of what would be... A successful season. A successful season, yeah. I mean, I guess he's already achieved a successful season, yeah, Solskjaer, in this terms what, of the aspects, but... This is what I mean. I mean, whoever comes in now, already after a month in charge, he's, he's left them something really good. And I, I will say this as well, Mourinho did, has played his part as well. Whoever comes in is, is going to benefit from certain aspects. Mourinho did as well. But um, for Solskjaer, I think, yeah, if he, if he wins the FA Cup, really good I think if you got the top four it's amazing I still think there's a long way to go six points doesn't seem much but can United keep this win and run going like I said I think the real big test will be when they go behind that's yet to happen yet Mourinho often got a response out of them when they went behind they played to their best when they went behind so that's what I'm not looking forward to but will be so intriguing about this team because that's the ultimate test of their metal isn't it yeah, I guess as you said, United have been maybe the most informed team in, in the Premier League in the last couple of weeks and maybe some of the teams above them have been dropping points when they shouldn't have done. Um, Tyron, yourself, what do you make of United's top four ambitions now for the rest um, of the season? Do you think, it, think, obviously it can be done, but do you think it will happen? Yeah, I mean, it's got every chance. It, there's, there's a vulnerability, you'd say, around, certainly around Arsenal, who they've now caught, and even Chelsea. They've shown under Sarri that, you know, they have got some serious off days in them. So, it's certainly a possibility. Um, like Kieran was saying, I think that you know the powers that be at United, I think, would be surprised that this quickly they are suddenly right back in the top four race. When you look where they were when Solskjaer came in, it's it's you know a remarkable transformation to even be talking. He's not been there four weeks yet, and we're now we're talking realistically that they've got a good chance of of top four. So, I mean, that that shows you how quickly things have turned around, and I think people at the club will be surprised that we're even having this conversation and able to have this conversation, but. They've got a decent run of fixtures now in the league and the chance to make up some ground. Um, I think Chelsea are the ones they're obviously going to be aiming at. I wouldn't expect Tottenham to fall away that dramatically, although you know, with Harry Kane looking like he's struggling yesterday, Son off to the Asian Cup, there's there's going to be issues there for Pochettino to deal with. But you know, Chelsea are the ones they're going to be targeting. Chelsea have shown that as well as they can play, they've got some some off days in them this season as well. They weren't great on, on Saturday by all accounts. So... It's a it's a possibility. Um, at some point, United are going to lose a game under Solskjaer, and it's going to be, <coughs> excuse me, how they respond to that, and you know, like like Kevin said, when they go behind. So there are still questions there that haven't yet been answered. But the longer this winning run goes on, then inevitably the closer they're going to get to it, and the more it's going to become a, a topic of debate. And if they do somehow get top four, then you know, he's going to have done an absolutely remarkable job. 
Yeah, Kieran, I know we spoke earlier before we came on there this morning about um, how tricky the game against Brighton could be potentially <laughs> this weekend. They lost twice to them in the last calendar yeah. year. Um, it could be maybe a reality check. We had that after the first day of the season as well. You know, Maybe there was a bit of a, a positivity at the club that was sh- quickly shattered by a trip down to Brighton. But Brighton at home this weekend, it's going to, as we say, every game's a potential banana skin. But considering the start Solskjaer's had, United fans should be fully confident of another win this weekend. But in that in itself that could become maybe a sign of complacency yeah that I think they're the the one team Brighton that have been that kind of not maybe bogey team might be a bit of a strong word but the two times the I went down there in um, as April and August they went down there with a completely wrong attitude and they're found out so quickly and Brighton were brilliant um, be a bit different at home and I think that's been one of the big changes with Solskjaer you game United are expected to win they go on and win now so I think the fans will will go there expecting you know another good performance and they played really well at home in the the home game so far and um, yeah I'd be surprised if they didn't win that I go out on a limb Um, they're just there's just so much momentum behind them now that you know you think that should be a relatively routine game for them if you can go to Tottenham and do the business there and if you can go to those teams that have given United trouble in the past that are you know inferior or whatever um, they should really have no fear with all that confidence in the group now yeah I guess uh, as Kieran pointed out there Tyron it's almost like Old Trafford's a fortress again we used mm-hmm. to always have that sort of uh there used to be that sort of phrase where you'd say United had games won in the tunnel when they were lining up and you had the home crowd cheering them out onto the pitch but it almost does sense that's at least coming back to, to a degree obviously United got to remember over the last couple of games the game against Newcastle was still a bit shaky the game against Reading was still quite unconvincing mm. defensively even against Tottenham there was opportunities to maybe not win so it maybe not might not be a foregone conclusion as some fans are expecting No Brighton are a very difficult team to, to play against they're, they're solid defensively they're very physical defensively with Duffy and Duncan Chris Eaton's got them very well organised but you would still you know, you'd have to fancy United on current form to beat Brighton at home and I'm sure the atmosphere will play a part. There's a, there's a spring in the step of, of people going to Old Trafford now and you know, you step quicker the closer you get, I think, at, at the moment. People are excited to see this team and excited to get behind them and, and see what's happening under Solskjaer. So, like Kevin says, you, you'd be very surprised if United didn't win this game. And um, I, I think Chelsea have got a tough game this weekend. Chelsea got Arsenal this weekend, perhaps. Yes, yeah, Saturday evening, Oof. I believe. So, there's a chance to you know close the gap even further, potentially. Or, you know, if United win, then in a way, whatever happens on Saturday evening is going to help because they're going to pull away from Arsenal. I hope it's Saturday evening. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? We shall see. We shall. But we will be back next week to evaluate and review whatever happened at Old Trafford this weekend. Kieran, do you have the pleasure of going this weekend? Or? I do, indeed. That's exciting. Yes. It should be another enjoyable one. Is exactly. it quite confident of another United win? Yeah, I, I think it's always worrying to go in, expecting, but camp is so much confidence in the camp and you know they're they're playing well um i think if they don't win that game it, it would be a surprise same with you tyrone <laughs> another win seven out of seven for Solskjaer this weekend i think so yeah it's gonna be the magnificent seven <laughs>
<laughs> Maybe that's what we'll call next week's podcast. Thank you for helping with the editing side of it, but we shall see. Uh, Kieran, thank you very much for joining us yet again on the thank Manchester you. Red Podcast. Tyrone, you might make it a hat trick of appearances <sighs> next weekend. Three in a row. <sighs> Who knows? That's Solskjaer esque form, that isn't it? Is, that is. I'm not sure I've got that in me, but we'll uh, we'll give it a go. But tune in next week to see who is even on the panel. That's as exciting as it gets. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. Please leave a review if you haven't already. And please do subscribe on your relevant podcast platform.